Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Well, good morning. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, it is a wonderful January Sunday. Um, it's been a couple days of sunshine. Yesterday was about 12 degrees. We will take that every single time. Um, but yeah, Happy New Year to those that are, this is your first time back with us on a Sunday morning. Uh, we started a new series last week called It's Complicated, looking at relationships in our lives. Relationships sit at the core of who we are. We're, we're, we're built for relationships. Whether we know it or not, relationships are at the center of all that we do. But we're not really just trying to talk about it as, a, uh, as five steps to getting your boo and making sure that you get your dating relationships right or making sure your, your marriage is good. We, we want to talk about relationships as they are designed for us in terms of our interactions. We have, in, we have relationships with, with others. We have interactions and relationships with ourselves. And we have relationships with God. Last week, we looked particularly at our relationship with God, and we considered this idea of, of covenant. That covenant is actually something that God institutes in his relationship with us. That it's weighty, that it's, it's full of faith, that it's actually an invitation for us. The covenant is, is something that God wants to institute in all of our lives, and he wants us to experience the fullness of it. This week, we're, we're going to take it a different little bit of a direction, and we're going to look at uh, relationships with others. And we're going to look particularly at this idea of, of forgiveness. Um, everybody say forgiveness. Uh, everyone loves forgiveness until they actually have to do it. Forgiveness is one of those concepts that's really nice. It's really nice to, to think about letting someone off the hook when they've done something wrong. But when something is, is done towards you and there is a hurt that is incurred, suddenly forgiveness becomes incredibly difficult. When I'm hurt, I struggle to be the best version of myself. I struggle to be the, the person that I, that I want to be, the person that I believe that Jesus has called me to be. And, and what ends up happening in those those moments of, of hurt or heartache is that I begin to play out the worst case scenarios of how what they've done impacts me. Or it goes even farther and I start to play out revenge scenarios of how I can make them feel how they have made me feel. This probably feels a little bit too accurate. Because I think we've all been there. Experiencing hurt to some degree and wanting to do what we think is make it right. Now, I, I would say that I'm more of a lover than a fighter by all degrees. Uh, I have not been in a fight in my life. I've just had friends who are willing to fight for me. God bless those friends. Um, God has given me the gift of, of gab in, in reflection. It's, it's not that... Uh, Everything I do is about talking or speaking from a platform or with a microphone in my hand. But what I have noticed is that 
This is a gift that can be used for great good or great evil, especially on a sports field. That is the one place that it seems to be that I let a little bit loose. I start to have a little less inhibition in how I respond to each other. And so if I feel like someone is starting to talk a little trash towards me, that is my permission. You said this, well, you, you have unlocked something that I have left dormant for far too long. Uh, so those moments happen where someone says something and they might start the dialogue, but I'm going to do everything in my power that I finish it. And that's the way that's going to play out when I feel very justified in it, very much like this is what I should be doing and this is how it should be going. And it's very responsive. It's very reactive. It feels like a default response in a moment and it's full of emotion and it feels all too natural. To have my response to someone's perceived hurt be to hurt them in return, even if it is just through words. And if they say something towards me that I take personally, and let's be honest, I probably take everything a little bit too personally on the sports field. Doesn't matter what they do next, they're already in the category of someone deserving of hurt in return. Someone deserving of, of the, the vengefulness that I feel in that moment. Have you ever been there? I want to take a moment. I, the, forgiveness is something that, like I said, it's a nice idea that we all want to kind of think that we are engaged in. But in reality, when we are confronted with an opportunity for forgiveness, we are more likely to push it away. So would you do this with me? Would you close your eyes if you feel comfortable? I want you to just think to yourself, have you ever been there in that moment? You've been hurt by someone. You've been hurt by a, a, an action or a word that's been said towards you. And then that feeling has risen up within you of, of I want to get back at them. I want you to think upon that moment. Has, has that ever happened to you? That, that justified feeling of being wronged now allowing you to respond however you want. I think we've all been there. You can open your eyes. I think it feels all too natural. In fact, maybe it became like a series of events rolling through your mind and you're one after another and you're like, this is probably too easy how quickly I'm thinking about all the ways I can get back at so-and-so and so-and-so. Maybe on the drive over, you gave a friendly single finger wag to someone to let them know how you felt about their driving along the way. These, these are all the ways that we respond on a daily basis and this seems to be the natural way that we are, are designed and, and, and curated within our culture, but this is not the matter manner in which Jesus invites us to be. In fact, if we are designed for relationship, and if we're designed to flourish within our relationships, I would contend that when bitterness becomes the foundation of our response to others, we are hijacking the very thing that is going to allow us to flourish. If I believe that my relationship with others is going to lead me to a flourishing existence, then bitterness is going to be the thing that poisons that opportunity. If forgiveness is our key to being strong in our relationships, then bitterness is our kryptonite. One of the most underrated superhero movies, Man of Steel. I don't care what you think about the DC universe or what you think about that movie in particular. It's a great movie. I have the microphone. It's wonderful. 
and it's about this alien that comes from another planet, and he, he shows up, and because he gets exposed to the sun, he has these, all these superpowers. Yes, I'm talking about Superman, faster than a speeding bullet. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. It's iconic, and in this movie, any time that he comes into a difficult situation, bullet at point-blank range, he can take it. Someone's throwing a building at him. He can take it. He's trying to catch a, a rocket and prevent it from blowing up and, and causing immense damage. He can take it. But anytime he's exposed to even the slightest amount of kryptonite, all of the strength that is within him suddenly disappears. Bitterness is our kryptonite. And it doesn't need to be in high doses. It doesn't even have to be recognized. It only has to be present in order for it to negatively impact our lives. So that's why we did that exercise. Have you ever harbored resentment towards someone that you knew was unhealthy but you couldn't let it go? That is bitterness. Have you ever been hurt to the point that you didn't think that they deserved forgiveness? That becomes bitterness. Bitterness is like living our lives with, with a damaged tooth. Anything to do with my mouth, I'm immediately like, I, I don't like the dentist. I don't want anything that's painful or uncomfortable because bitterness is like this damaged tooth. It doesn't matter how good the meal is. It doesn't matter how good the flavors are. If anything brushes up against it, the only thing I think about is the damaged tooth. The same goes for our bitterness. It does not matter how many great experiences you have, how good your family is, how good your workplace is, even how great your relationship with God is. When we have bitterness existing within our lives, it's like a damaged tooth. Something brushes up against it, and all of our existence focuses in on that. So if this is the case, if bitterness functions this way and forgiveness is the strength that we're invited to be in, how much more should we be pursuing forgiveness in every relationship, not just the relationships that you want or feel like it could be comfortable at the moment, but every relationship in your life? Because like I said, bitterness, even in small doses, is kryptonite to the supermen and superwomen in this room. You're not meant to carry old wounds and old hurts forever. Because the reality is, is our current and future relationships won't survive it. And Jesus, he provides us an alternative path. Forgiveness. It lies at the heart of what it means to follow him. And somehow, God's forgiveness directed towards you and I is directly tied to my ability to show forgiveness to others. This is a difficult concept. Nice idea, like I said, but difficult to actually practically live out. 
And we're not the only ones to find it difficult. The disciples, the ones who had traveled with Jesus for an extended period of time, they, they found it difficult, and they were always trying to talk their way through it. Um, individual by the name of Peter, we see him throughout the Gospels be the one to kind of put the, his foot in his mouth. He, he, he's quick to speak, and he wants to say things, and he wants those around him to, to be able to follow him to some degree. And so he, he asked Jesus about this idea of forgiveness. And so we're going to look up at this in particular in Matthew chapter 18. Peter approaches Jesus and he asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister? Someone who, who is in relationship with him, someone who is perhaps within the faith community as with him. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. You can tell uh, Peter is really proud of himself for saying seven times. He thinks that he's actually being like pretty generous in this moment. I can imagine him being really proud as he comes and approaches Jesus and he's like, I'm going to say seven times. Jesus is going to give me a pat on the back. I'm going to be the best disciple again. It's going to be awesome. And he's, he's, he's approaching this moment because uh, to put his response into context, rabbis within that period, would say that three times was the maximum. That fourth strike, you're out. And this was based off of what it says in Amos chapter 1, where God, he outlines the number of times that he has forgiven pagan nations. So rabbis and those within the Jewish community would have tried to just simply uphold what they believed was a mirror of God's response of forgiveness to humanity. And that makes sense. It's an attempt to model after God. But what we see here in this moment is Peter's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up that. I'm not going to say three times. I'm going to say seven times beyond what's even culturally expected. He thinks he's going to impress Jesus. And Jesus says, no, not seven. And typical Jesus, he says, 77. And here's where it gets interesting. The numbers seven and 77, they occur close together in a single story twice in the Bible. This is one of those moments. And the other is found in Genesis chapter 4 where there's a story about two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain is a jealous brother and God addresses Cain and he tells him that he needs to be really careful. That the, the jealousy, the sin towards his brother was, was crouching at his door and it was rising up within him. And it's like an animal that was going to devour him, but he gives into it. Cain gives into that jealousy, into that anger, and he murders his brother in the field. And the story goes on that Cain is banished from the land and he builds a city that he then names after his son Enoch. And we're told that this city grew over five generations and the city ended up taking on the character of its founder. It was not a city that you wanted to actually be in. Genesis 4 provides a little vignette of what was actually taking place in that moment through an individual by the name of Lamech. And this is what we know about Lamech. We know that he's a poet because he sings one of the first recorded poems in the Bible. But this is not, no, roses are red, violets are blue. This is a little more of a violent poem communicating perhaps the way in which the city responded. In Genesis chapter 4, 23 to 24, it says this. Lamech said to his wives, 
Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. He's talking about a young man who tried to pick a fight with him, and he just murdered him on the spot. And he sings how proud he is of it. And he says, I didn't just give him seven times the vengeance that he deserved, but I'm Lamech. I give 77 times the vengeance. I killed him right there. And this is the story that Jesus is alluding to at the beginning of this, his teaching on forgiveness. So stop for a moment with me and think about what he's doing. Whatever forgiveness is or whatever forgiveness isn't, it is doing something counter to our nature. Forgiveness is pushing back against something that we are prone to do. If someone is in a fist fight, we have biologically in our very being this response of fight or flight. We have this, this response to push back against that which might hurt us. Our nature is if somebody wrongs us, we need to get them back. And Lamech in the Old Testament becomes this epitome of human nature. If you wrong me, I will hit you back and even harder. Croatian theologian Miroslav Volf, he states that forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. Bitterness often feels like it's born from a moment in which you and I have been dehumanized. You have been treated in a manner that was not befitting of the fact that you are made in the image of God. And in doing so, it was a dehumanizing moment. Unfortunately, often our response is to then dehumanize the one who perpetrated the act. And it becomes this vicious cycle in which all parties are no longer viewing the, each other as one carrying the image of God. We exclude those who we perceive to be our enemies from those who we are with. And we justify our action as being right because of what they've done. And yet, that's not what Jesus invites us to do. He says forgiveness. And not just once, not just twice, not just three, not just seven, but 77 times. And this isn't a conversation about math. Don't worry if you feel like that's a difficult conversation. We're not going there. This is a conversation about heart, about posture, about focus, and about who God is inviting us to be. So I want to look at a few aspects of the invitation to forgive that Jesus provides. Number one, uh, forgiveness is difficult 
because it feels like death. C.S. Lewis, like we've said throughout this morning, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive because forgiveness feels like death. And what is dying in those moments of forgiveness? Most often it is your and my pride. I'm convinced that personal pride is an issue under the surface of all bitterness. Often our responses to hurt today are born from hurts from the past because we are not created to actually carry deep hurt well. And even if it is a hurt that wasn't intentional or was, wasn't really awful, it was carried out by a third party, it can have a specific impact upon how you and I operate in relationships with others, not even just the one who actually perpetrated the act. And then we go down this path where we've been hurt in such a way that we begin to make others feel bad as well. If I'm going to feel a certain way, you should feel that also. And we do so with this seemingly clear conscience because we feel justified. But what is driving it over and over again is this pride that's growing within us that I can act in a certain way because I've been treated a certain way. And forgiveness is the difficult decision to let that pride die. It's facing the hurt that we have in order to find the healing that we need. Because here's the thing. Forgiveness, it isn't a feeling. Forgiveness, it isn't about forgetting. And forgiveness isn't for them. Forgiveness is the choice to set aside someone else's debt of wrongdoing against you. Forgiveness is the death of a debt. Imagine this. Imagine that someone has 77 times done something towards you. Jesus is asking you to forgive them, bare minimum, 77 times. I want you to think about that really practically. Imagine how it feels when you have to forgive someone one time. Imagine how it feels when you have to do it the second time and the third time. Imagine then if you feel really justified that you're in the right and you feel a sense of pride that, oh man, I'm so good for forgiving them. They don't deserve my forgiveness, but I'm giving it to them. And this sense of pride begins to well up within us. And then they do it the fourth time, and now we're asked to forgive again. How much harder is it that we feel it over and over and over again? This is what I mean when I say that forgiveness is something has to die. Because if something does not die, then it becomes something that we have to process every single time that forgiveness needs to happen. And then, this is not about 77 times. This is about the posture of our heart. I, we can't get past five, six. It becomes incredibly difficult to live your life from a posture of forgiveness if pride becomes your lead foot. Jesus wants us to forgive. 
Not just so that we can give others a get out of jail free card, but so that you and I can experience the freedom we need to flourish in the life that he has designed for you. In order for forgiveness to happen, something has to die. And this death can come in many shapes and sizes. We might need to relinquish the power that comes with being right. Who here likes being right? Thank you for those who are bold enough to put up their hand. I think everyone likes being right. Nobody likes being wrong, so therefore you like being right. <laughs> we, we are those people, but sometimes in our process with people, the relinquishment of that power is the first step for true forgiveness to take place. Sometimes we need to identify the pride that we're holding on to. Wh whatever it is, we have to let it go. It has to die, and that's a high price. But the best things in life come at a cost. We need to start believing that forgiveness is a pathway to the best things that God has for us. Number two, uh, bitterness may start as a response, but becomes a choice. And here's the thing. For those of you who are like, I, he doesn't understand. I get you. People who are bitter tend to have really good reasons. People who are bitter tend to have really good reasons. And this is the hard truth of what it is to manage pain in our relationships. That person that hurts you, that's on them. But all of the pain that you have felt since that time, all of the hurt that you have carried since that moment, that becomes your choice to hang on to it and carry. If they're no longer in any physical or relational proximity to you, they aren't the one hurting you anymore. Bitterness becomes this chain that we continue to hold on to. Now, hear me. I'm not blaming you. Sometimes we need to hold on to it for a season to process it and to carry it forward. But at some point... Assuming that person is not actively in your life injuring you, then whether you are living with that pain or not is ultimately up to you. You are not responsible for ensuring that they get what they deserve. To forgive is to let go, to send away, to choose to not live back there in the past anymore. And all this might sound incredibly harsh, but it is important to recognize that the person who hurts you does not get to make the decision when you let go of hurt. Sometimes when we talk about forgiveness in, in relationship with Jesus and how Jesus talks about it, one of the, the pushbacks we can have is, I don't want to be a doormat. I don't, I don't want to be passive. But we're not passive when we forgive or we're at their mercy. Forgiveness is something that we choose even if it takes an incredibly long time. 
in a, in a culture of instant gratification and I can look up everything right away and find out exactly how to get from A to B without any hitches in my process, often our challenge with forgiveness in our modern age is that we think it is a singular action or decision that suddenly makes all things right. When in fact, forgiveness is a process. Just like bitterness can become a choice, Forgiveness is a choice, but it's one that we make every single day on our journey of healing. Oftentimes, when we are unforgiving, we think of the other person only in terms of the injustice that they perpetrated, even if they've done good things afterwards. And so we got to ask better questions in our process of forgiveness. Do you truly believe that they are evil incarnate? For some of you, you're like, that's an easy answer right there. We've got to ask the honest questions. Are they evil incarnate? Are they actually so bad? Or is there something good in them that you believe is redeemable, not by your strength, but by a good God who is radically generous in the grace that he gives to us each and every day? Why can he not give such a grace to them? Like we talked about, Acts of intentional hurt don't just dehumanize us, it dehumanizes others. And bitterness can be a defense mechanism because to forgive is often to hurt all over again. It's to experience that sense of betrayal. It's to remember the loss. It's to think upon that feeling of rejection. But when we actually go towards it with the helping hand of a generous, forgiving God, healing can be possible. And it doesn't have to be a singular moment of amazing revelation. It could be just a steady step taken each and every day. Colossians 3 verses 12 to 14 says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. We're going we're gonna to move quickly through these next couple points. Uh, number three is justice and revenge are not the same thing. These are two words that get uh, interchanged really easily within our culture. Justice and revenge are not the same thing. In fact, vengefulness is the low road of justice. Vengefulness is approaching something with the sense that my bloodthirstiness, my need for being right is reason enough to do what I'm doing by whatever means it needs to get it done. When in fact, justice does not take upon itself the actions of evil that were already done to accomplish that what we believe is good. When we start to believe that we have to do something by any means necessary to accomplish what we perceive as justice, then vengefulness is actually the route that we have chosen to take. Because justice is the way of God. Forgiveness is the path of Jesus. And if those things are true, then the path that we take that is of the divine is always going to be beyond what we are capable of doing on our own. 
when we are replicating the manner in which something is done that was wrong to get what we believe is right, we are simply acting by our own strength and revenge has become the avenue. Revenge and justice are not the same thing. Justice is grounded in, in, in doctrines, in honor, of fairness, and of virtue. And its purpose isn't vindictive. It's looking to make all things right, not just you right. Number four, love without forgiveness is incomplete. The notion from Jesus in his response to Peter seems to indicate that forgiveness was not an optional path in the kingdom of God. And to be truly in was to allow forgiveness to begin to find its way in our lives. And that it's, it's not some kind of secret key to an exclusive club. This is a response of God's love. Forgiveness is an extension of who God is. In 2 Timothy, when Paul is talking about the ways in which people respond, he, he couples loving and forgiveness to actually be together. He says, without loving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, brutal, not lovers of the good. He's talking about the manner in which the way that we love and the way that we forgive are actually directly tied to each other. And the commandment of love that God gives to us, to love our neighbors as ourselves, is more than simply a divine directive for a mission-oriented life, but it's something that's given to us to prosper. When you believe that you love someone or that you want to live a life of love, forgiveness needs to be a consistent tool that we use in our relationships. How often do you choose to actually operate from a place of forgiveness? I'm really curious that actually in the day-to-day -day existence, when we say things like love God, love people, be the church, when we say I want to be a loving brother, sister, son, daughter, uh, we, we, we say these things, but do we actually know what that means? That it's actually to say that when they treat me poorly because they are human and it will happen, Will forgiveness be my automatic response? Will it be the posture in which I lean to? Will I be able to push back against the bitterness that so quickly rushes into our existence? Because love without forgiveness is incomplete. Henry Nouwen, he beautifully states this. He says that forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. Forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. Forgiveness is the way that we mend the fractures of our hearts. And forgiveness is this. Forgiveness must be stronger than bitterness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a pastor theologian from a previous uh, century who most notably wrote against Hitler and ultimately gave his life against the rise of the Third Reich and the compromise of the German church. And in 1937, he started a, a seminary for preachers and his vision for it was to equip a generation of pastors to confront the compromise that he saw taking place within his culture. He wrote two books and one of them was called The Cost of Discipleship. And there was a friend of Bonhoeffer's that read the book and he had some concerns. He felt it was a little extreme. And then he went and spent time with Bonhoeffer and he heard what he had to say and he, he said it out loud. He, he said, 
this is too far. You, you've, you've pushed yourself to an extreme in how you want to actually follow Jesus. And this is a, a critical moment in, in Bonhoeffer's life that he shares, that they went up on a hill, and it was, in the, it was in the distance that they could see. There was an airport, and at this airport, Hitler was amassing troops and landing planes. And he took his friend up on that hill so that he could see what was taking place in the distance. And he wanted him to then look out towards the seminary, the bustle of energy that was taking place of those who were committed to the cause of Christ that were not going to compromise. And he pointed at the two. And he was saying, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. This, pointing at the seminary, must be stronger than this. Pointing at the airport where Hitler was amassing his troops. This must be stronger than that. In our current culture, we may not have Hitler amassing troops on the hill nearby, but we have a deep struggle taking place. There has to be an alternative to the anger, hostility, retributive nature, rage, and bitterness that has become so common in our culture. A way that is stronger than we see playing out. Forgiveness must be stronger than bitterness. And here's the good news. We know through the story of Jesus that it is. Now forgiveness at its core, an extension of the love of God, is stronger. And not just even stronger than bitterness, not just stronger than, than harsh words, not just stronger than that feeling of pain, it's stronger than death itself. That it overcomes all that is evil and wrong in the world, and it does so through the power that we see take place on the cross. And it doesn't end there because the invitation is given to you. The power of forgiveness that was on the cross that overcame death itself is the power that is given to you to overcome the pain that you carry. Your pain does not have to define you. The mistake of another does not identify you. But forgiveness is the opportunity that we are given each and every day to take a step towards the healing and flourishing life that God desires for you. Do you know that the bitterness that you carry is poisoning your life? And do you know that there is freedom to be found when forgiveness is received and shown? Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not for others. Forgiveness is freedom that we are given through Christ. So my invitation this morning, that moment when we thought back upon that experience that we might have had, someone's hurt us, someone's spoken poorly to us, we've been treated in a manner that was dehumanizing. Can forgiveness begin to do the work of healing that Christ wants to do in your life? And could that begin this morning? 
Could you open yourself up to just, to just looking at it, perhaps? Maybe it's still so tender and it hurts so much to even think about. Maybe you're holding on to it and you're saying, I can't let go of this just yet. Maybe the first step is just for us to look at it together and believe that healing is possible. Would you close your eyes with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that through the power of your Son, we see the true gift of forgiveness. That upon that cross, as you declared to those who were hurting you in an unjust manner, you said, Father, forgive them. And I pray for those here this morning that are looking out around them and they're seeing the voices and the faces of those who, are who have unjustly treated them, I pray that you would soften our hearts and give us the courage to have that same response. Father, forgive them. Father, may I find freedom in the forgiveness that is shown. For bitterness that has taken roots in our hearts, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that they are pulled out and good seeds are sown. And if forgiveness feels like a far-off concept, unattainable in our current relational existence, I pray that today would be a little step forward. Thank you that upon that cross 2,000 years ago, you walked the path of, of injustice, of pain, and of suffering. And you did so with, with humanity in mind. And upon that cross, when you declared, Father, forgive them, and you took your last breath, you defeated death itself with the new life that came bursting out of the tomb three days later. I pray for that new life here this morning. Bitterness and hurt seems to take chunks out of us. We feel less than we were out of those moments. We feel like it's lost, that it's something that we can't get back. Through your resurrection power, I just pray for healing and restoration this morning that speaks of the hope that comes through you. So give us courage to ask for that healing, to step into that forgiveness, and to follow the alternative way, the way of forgiveness, the way of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.